Hey, Ryan, we want to remind people that we have uh, created a LinkedIn group for the Digital Broker Podcast. Both Ryan and I monitor the comments and questions that are there. The episodes are posted there. Uh, Comment on a particular episode if there's something you didn't understand, something we didn't explain well enough, a question you might have. Uh, go ahead and leave those comments there, and we'll uh, we'll monitor those, we'll respond to those, and we may post our own questions to you um, well, as you as you uh, go to the group. So, to join, you just go go into the search bar. It's on the top left of that LinkedIn screen. Uh, search for Digital Broker Podcast, and and make sure you choose groups. And then uh, you'll need to request to join, and we'll uh, quickly uh, get that approved as fast as we can. And then you'll be part of that group and able to. Uh, interact with us, ask questions, and let us know what you think. And as we see stuff, we'll give you a shout out, like uh, Olivia Smith. I think she's our like super fan, you know, <laughs> but she had a great, great comment on how to leverage data effectively, and it's something that we'll, we'll have a podcast on. But I think both you and I, Steve, we want to have a community. You know, we don't want to be talking at people. We want to be talking with people. And this is a way that we can build that community. I'm all about collaboration. I feel like you have a collaborative spirit. That's why we get along so effectively. And we want to bring these agencies and these folks that want to help make it better into this space. And so that's what it's about. So I'll try to, 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 to post stuff in there. But please don't be afraid to, to post any questions, anything you want. You know, let's, let's make it really cool for 2019. This podcast is brought to you by Indio Technologies. Indio software helps agencies save time and money by turning the application and renewal process into digitally enhanced online forms. Take all your applications, put them into one electronic form, send that electronic form to your client, and Indio software will populate back to all those applications. Yeah, I'm going to add, um, I was just on the NetView income forum, and somebody had asked a question about Indio, and current user uh, wrote this back. I just copied it out. We are using Indio and absolutely love it. It's a way of automating, managing, and streamlining the application process. Uh, So that's from an actual user. You can learn more about Indio and register for a one-on-one demo at www.useindio.com slash podcast. That's www.useindio.com slash podcast. Welcome to the Digital Broker Podcast with Steve Anderson and Ryan Deeds, where we help agents and brokers drive profitability through operational excellence. Hello, I'm Steve Anderson, sitting across from my co-host Ryan Deeds, and this is the Digital Broker Podcast. Uh, Welcome. We're glad you're here. As we have conversations around agents and broker operational excellence, what does it take to run an agency effectively to increase uh, revenue, efficiency, reduce expenses, and ultimately take care of your customer. So, Ryan, great to be with you today. You too, my brother. And um, we want to jump into marketing and sales. Absolutely. And so um, I need to kind of set the background here for people listening. Uh, we are not going to be talking about how to generate prospects. Uh, we're not going to be talking about sales strategy. We're not going to be talking about the sales process, what we want to focus on is the operational aspects of marketing and sales, meaning what has to happen internally in this area that I think we all acknowledge is important, generating new business, bringing new prospects in, 
uh, is a key component to successful agencies, revenue increase, and right, all of those kinds of things. But I don't feel like enough effort has been spent on organizationally how we manage the process. That's a hot mess. It's a hot mess. I mean, it is. And I think that, I think it becomes so much more important because I've seen agencies that have really, I, I have a couple in mind that have spent an inordinate amount of time on this and they've made it work. But it's 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 one of the things that they're spending, you know, a couple years figuring out the process, but then they have this operationally scalable engine that they're able to drive. Now, again, let's 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 just define some things. So if from my opinion, the whole reason that we do something like this is to drive prospects into the agency for new for for new business. Is that is that what we're talking? So I think there's a, so I separate marketing and sales. So for me, marketing is identifying prospects who might have an interest in what we have to offer. Okay. Sales is that, and I say face-to-face, I'm doing a bit of air quotes here because depending on personal line, small commercial, mid-market, larger commercial, face-to-face may not actually be sitting across a desk from somebody. I think the larger the potential account is, the more likely it is for that producer, that salesperson, uh, to actually have you know face-to-face interaction. But for smaller accounts, that face-to-face could be video, it could be other mechanisms. Whatever they want. Whatever That's right. Whatever the potential prospect communication option that they feel most comfortable with. And that is actually taking that that potential person and going through the sales cycle of, in, in my terminology, you know, getting the check and making sure it clears the bank. Right. So right? I've got two so engines. So the sale's not final till the check clears sure. the bank. I've got my I've got my one engine, which is the generation of leads, would mm-hmm. say, and then that that's kind of where we're focused today. And then the other is what what's the next step with those leads once I have them. Yeah, and I, I don't I don't want to leave out, and again, this may be a we'll touch on it, but it may be a deeper topic for another episode. But I feel like most, I won't say all, but I feel like a large percentage of agents and brokers do not do an effective job of marketing to their existing customer base. I would agree. I so, would agree with that. You know, certainly, you know, the, the, the normal terminology there is, you know, cross-sell, round out, right, all of those kinds of terms. But frankly, agencies are really poor at it. In fact, I would say from the marketing perspective, um, agents suffer from follow-up failure. I, I would totally agree with that. I mean, especially, you know, I've been in uh, meetings before where we've said, hey, we're going to roll out this to new clients and it's been stopped because we didn't want an old client to talk to a new client and find out that they were offered a service because then they thought we thought, I mean, there was all this like craziness and it was because of our inability to communicate effectively to our current clients, mm-hmm. our, 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 you know, non prospects. And so, no, I think that that is a challenge. I think that it gets very important around the renewal if they're a larger account. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's Absolutely. when the communication starts to flow, right? Well, and unfortunately, that is normal. Right. And what are you missing by not having a consistent communication process for existing customers as well as, as for prospects? Well, it goes back. I mean, again, you're talking about a multitude of, of things here because you, you're talking about that emotion, taking advantage of the touch points that you have 
creating a brand awareness, creating a differentiation in the communication touch points, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that vast majority of agencies today do not have an operational marketing department by definition. I, I would I would agree with that. I think they've dabbled they, in it. They, they have, don't have a process. The, right. By right. any means. By, For the most of the ones that I've seen. Now, some of the larger ones, I I definitely see moving in that direction. But for the for if you're uh, under thirty million dollars in revenue, then you probably have a part timer that's doing something here or there. It's not like you've strategically said we're great at X and we're great at Y. How do we get more of X and Y? Right. So let me ask this question: Who's responsible for prospecting? See, I mean, producer, uh, agency, I business would, development manager, marketing person. I, I I would love to see it under the COO, to be honest. I would love it to be on the operations team. I, I would like to see the operations team stand up and say, we want that. Because I believe that a well-run marketing system can start to generate as many potential leads as a, pr a producer going out and shaking hands. So now if you're an ops team that's actually generating leads that have some kind of closed percentage, you have ability to go and start talking to your leadership in a different way, mm -hmm. you know? And so that I, that's what I would love to see. Typically, I think we saw early in the 2000s, right? The BDC was a big deal. Everybody had a business development coordinator. BDC, I, that, yeah. It's like explain it. So, so it's a central individual that mm -hmm. sat kind of between operations and sales. And that, that person would be crafting emails to send out the niches and they, they offload a lot of the sales stuff, right? From, mm -hmm. from the agencies that I would. Well, and again, I would to keep our terminology at least cl hopefully clear. You know, that is the uh, lead generation mm -hmm. component of marketing. So mm -hmm. there's lots of nuances here that, you know, can make a difference. Um, and, you know, so is the agency responsible for lead generation is the producer responsible for lead generation. And then, and again, I'm using air quotes here, but who owns the prospect? So I've, I've been in a couple of organizations where some, some people were really great. I, I remember this one guy, a, a producer called, his name was Jerry and he, uh, just a cold call machine. He'd literally, if he'd had 30 minutes between appointments, he'd park somewhere and just start knocking doors, leaving his card, and he'd have a Rolodex, right, of, of cards. And if he could get a next date, he'd have, you know, a date right. there. And, you know, but that was his system and his, quote, prospects. And the agency had no visibility into who's in the pipeline, what's happening, um, it, who else has already seen if I have multiple producers in the agency? So now we're getting cross, right. uh, you know, um, uh, connections well, between you have friction. the same organization who owns the prospect. If right. I had that prospect that's been on my list, I haven't done much with it for five years, but now all of a sudden the other producer has a different relation. I mean, so there's all of those nuances in terms of managing that whole you know, marketing. And I think uh, there's two very different. I mean, so one is an operationally driven lead, operationally driven leads, mm -hmm. right? That are coming, that, that are not taking time off of your producer. Mm -hmm. The other, like Jerry, I mean, that's more the typical produ production Correct. thing that I see, yeah. right? Is 
I've made a name for myself in oil and petroleum. Those guys know 15 other guys. I'm working on their, the, the sales cycle is a three-year sales cycle, so it takes forever to get in and make them right. fire their other broker. Those leads would be Jerry's, in my opinion, the ones that he generated, he cultivated. Now, obviously, if he comes on board with an agency, though typically in the co contract, those become the agencies, right? It just depends on how it's structured. Right. But that's one of the reasons you would have a CRM is to centralize Jerry's and Bob's and Sally's producer prospects to make sure that we're not crossing wires and making sure the activity is being driven, you know? Correct. On the other side though, the opera and so and if that is a if that is a prospect that Jerry generated, then he should own all of it. He should be able to get paid on all of it. Now, when he leaves, that, there's a big conversation there. Right. Totally different story. But on the operationally driven leads, I believe that if you are picking up cost to have an op, to have some kind of marketing process internally, to be able to generate those leads, to be able to hand those off to producers, those should, should not be paid the same because so often you will hear the hardest part of a sales cycle is the generation of the opportunity. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. The And that that's a key distinguishing factor. Prospect is irrelevant right. until there's a opportunity right. that might be available. And whoever generates that opportunity, I mean, just that that's why you have referral business paid a lot of times. If a producer brings another producer Correct. into a relationship, you would pay that incoming producer. The originating, pay, the one that had the relationship, whatever. Would, would get a pay, little uptick. Get a, a piece of. That's right. Right. Because they generated the relationship. And so I think as, as most sales producers look at it, finding me a, a, a qualified prospect is a freaking huge deal that I can send a closer into. I mean, if I'm looking at it from an operational sales thing, I could have a really good closer that I that's just killing it that I send out on these qualified prospects. Mm -hmm. So, and in some organizations, that might be the deal, right? Now, that guy probably that person probably spent a quarter of the time that they would have on a traditional prospect. So, I think that that should be a house allocated to some extent, mm -hmm. right? Not all of it, right? But I don't if your if your new business is forty for a self generated forty percent, right? A self generated prospect. Then I think it should be thirty for a operationally generated prospect. Mm -hmm. You got to give credit back to the ops team; they're the ones well, who help them generate that. It, stuff. It, yeah, I was going to say that's the expense, right? That is in, incorporated in having that process system in place. Um, and, and again, that's in the agency I was in in Texas. That that is what we did. We had a marketing system, a follow up system. And uh, the way we structured it is the producer could opt into that system. If they did, then they got a bit less on their sales, but they didn't have to handle all the follow-up, the follow-through. They were dealing with opportunities then because the system was uh, nurturing the prospect. They were creating those opportunities, so it was uh, much easier. And in fact kind of between that and some sales training process, uh, the average close ratio of the producers in that agency over about five years became a, a, a 70 to 80% mm. because they were only working on opportunities that had a high likelihood of actually closing. Right. But it was, it was the system that allowed all of that contact to take place 
literally over, I, I had prospects that I was uh, nurturing probably over three or four years until I actually got an opportunity that made sense. So again, that's that's where marketing and sales actually m- should mesh together, right? Right. Marketing in terms of how do I cultivate that relationship and and drive that forward. Sales is how do I close? You know, get get the account, make it move. Um, as you said, fire the other broker, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, and so I think that you know when you look at this discussion, it's it's first, do we have? Because I think the other unseen advantage of having an operationally driven marketing engine is you're going to find areas that uh, that are hyper niched that might not need a producer on it. Mm-hmm. That are you're able to kind of have these micro transactions, like and I think of notary bonds immediately just because it's not a big part of your book, but it's something people want to to mess with that they need. And so if you can figure out just a little bit easier way to make notary bonds for them, now you have a almost an overheadless system, correct, to be able to to drive that. And I think as agencies face different areas. Um, with their commission income, you know, if that's commission compression or if that's just the the market harden, you know, e- everything changing, how are they replacing that revenue? I mean, revenue replacement from my perspective is a big strategy. And if you can get that marketing engine to work and I, and again, I, I think this, this podcast is specifically asking the question, do you have it? And then we'll probably have another one delving into what that looks what like. What that looks like. Yeah. I yeah. think that's a whole separate topic, but you know, I do like the phrase marketing engine because I believe that's what it is. You're trying to create that. You're trying to create and create a sustainable, repeatable process. Yeah. And this certainly is where kind of online sales uh, for the right niche or the right type of business can be a, a great source of, of prospects. It's just, I feel like agencies have turned their nose up it's, at it's, it's, online. There's still this perception of Somebody coming through a website or online request is just not a quality prospect. See, I don't know that that holds. I mean, okay, I think one of the first things is going to be the revenue size of that prospect is going to be less than the one that drives 80% of the revenue in the organization. Probably, which is actually the argument why you want a process in place. Right, right. So you don't have a lot of expense on handling that that piece of business. But so, I mean, and so I think that when, when, if I'm a principal in an organization and I'm looking at where to devote energy and time, it's an easier, I know the path. I go get a producer that's good in front of X people. I put them in front of there and I sell business. When you start looking at this digital marketing thing, I mean, just from my own personal, it is a nightmare. It is not easy to solve. It is hard to, 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 to solve this thing, Mm -hmm. you know? And there's a ton of money. Like if you go, you could go do HubSpot, do their whole DOS, 50 grand a year, mm-hmm. you know, then you better have some good correlation back to like the return on investment for that. And right. that typically is not going to show for a couple of years as you're iterating through your own process. Well, and I think that to me, it's understanding the process. I mean, do you actually understand your marketing and sales process? Do you even have one or is it, which again, I see fairly often, I don't want to say fairly often, I see often, is whatever the producer does. Yeah. And as I, long I, as they hit their numbers. That's that. I mean, when you think about marketing in most agencies, I think that's what it is. And then maybe a Facebook post and a LinkedIn post here or there. Yeah. It is not, hey, we're awesome at car dealers. Let's put a program together for car dealers. Let's go and 
get all the pro the car dealers that fit our demographic that that fit this area let's then create some kind of content to market out to them and then iterate through that other niches mm -hmm. right i mean mm -hmm. but that that means that i'm dedicating a person to it or i'm outsourcing that i'm having some kind of operational uh, allocation to that like you're going to spend x number of hours a week dealing with this and like you said i mean on the initial first year, that trickle in probably doesn't justify, but year three or four right. could be just ridiculous. So are you willing to invest in, right. you know, that those startup costs? Are you willing to to incur some of that? Um, and actually, we'll write this down because um, I, I think there's a lot of um, conversation we can have around niches. You know, I have a whole presentation I do called Riches and Niches because I really believe that's a an aspect that um, agencies – have it have they think of niches as unusual and special coverages and I don't I think it as a focus of the agency and how to manage that process yeah and I mean I think niches going forward is where agencies will be because that's how you scale profitable yes right you, you, if you have a deep bench in social services and you have account managers that understand that risk inherently and when they when a social service prospect that's been delivered by your marketing engine right calls and that account manager can say, here are four issues that we know exist with your class of business, and maybe you weren't aware of one of them. Mm -hmm. Now now I'm looking like an expert in your space, and I'm justifying why I want to do business with that agency. No question. Yeah. So I think we can – we'll kind of yeah, pause of on stuff. that one, but um, I'd love to come back and talk a bit more about some of the reasoning there and how to look at it and how to think about, again, creating that engine. And, and um, operationally, that can be very – profitable for the agency if you set it up right and have the right expectations and I, are willing to invest some in the beginning to get it going. And you're going to do it. You're going to do it. You, you might not do it this year and you might not do it next year, but dang it, if you're not going to, you, if you're in business in the next five years, you will have a marketing department talking about the values of your organization to prospective clients, because if you don't, you're not going to be in business. I don't think. Yeah. The marketing communication aspect. Um, that, that, that it talks about. You know, and I don't want to, I think that's so important. And it's not to say there aren't face-to-face -face relationships still, but I, f I feel like that's changing. And especially, here's our demographic trend. I especially think that as clients become younger, they have just different expectations of what it means to be have a personal relationship. Oh, yeah. Right? All um, day. So, so we need to be aware of that and and changing maybe some of our attitudes. The hard trend, the, the change. hard trends, the change, right. exactly. But yeah, I think the takeaway today is: Do you have an internal marketing department that is espousing the goodness of your organization to prospective buyers? Mm -hmm. Do you have a pipeline for that? Do you have a process for that? Is that something that you're looking at? And if not, uh, why? Yeah, I think that's great. All right. Well, hopefully you've gotten a few tips uh, out of our conversation today. Uh, marketing and sales are a vital piece of agency growing. And so uh, we we um, actually seek your questions and feedback. Um, as a reminder, the Digital Broker Podcast LinkedIn group is where you can uh, post some of those questions. Ryan and I monitor that, and we'd love to hear from you. So thanks for listening today. This has been another episode of the Digital Broker Podcast with Steve Anderson and Ryan Deeds. Post your questions and comments at the Digital Broker Podcast official LinkedIn group page. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review.
This podcast is brought to you by Indio Technologies. Indio allows agencies to turn their application and renewal process into a fully digital, modern customer experience. The platform comes armed with a preloaded database of smart digital insurance forms and applications, an e-signature solution, auto-generated proposals, and secure document sharing. To learn more about Indio, go to www.useindio.com slash podcast. That's useindio.com slash podcast. 